Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Ryan, I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. You can hear it in my voice. Uh, I have been uh, punched by the wind fist of COVID, and like the last like two, three weeks of my life have been lit on fire uh, because of it, but I'm recovering. Sucky. I'm okay. I also had a concussion in there oh, as well so getting things, things been, going on some yeah yeah some things i have it, it's been so it's been kind of some of it in a in the uh perhaps in a dialectical way has been nice because i have not been able to look at like my computer screen uh and so that's kept me away from work and that has been kind of nice <laughs> that is <laughs> good and i also think you get the respite of reading Ludwig Wittgenstein's philosophical investigations, right? I mean, that, you could do worse, right? You could do a lot. You could do a lot worse than than yeah. than having to to read uh, Wittgenstein for uh, an as august uh, a constant occasion as our podcast, Todd McGowan. Um, that yeah. So today we are finishing up our uh, little little duology on uh, on Wittgenstein, uh, beginning twenty twenty four with uh, philosophical investigations. Um, there are. Things that uh, there are things that I am drawn to and attracted to in this text that I think are very idiosyncratic. I will try to uh, broaden their appeal as as we go on. Uh, I've just uh, as a it's been been really fascinating because this is not a. Um, I know you had um, some familiarity with Wittgenstein before we did this, but for me, this was like this is me being fresh, getting in with this, and then even. Reading about well, you know, doing some secondary readings and, and things like that. Uh, so, if if you listener are like, if you read along, you follow along, and you come to these texts, like you know, maybe as as we do them, and it's the first time for you on this, we probably had a very similar uh, experience reading it. I, I, I imagine. So, I want to put that out there as someone who, for whom it might be the first time that they're coming to this, and I think that's an important idea because I think this is an idea that is actually in this. I want to lead by saying. That I asked you this as a question biographically, but I knew it in my bones reading this. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wittgenstein writes this. Uh, this is not published during his lifetime, but he writes this after he taught grade school. And I tell you, I fucking knew it. I could just tell reading it, and and this is something that is a idiosyncratic appeal to me. I just I was reading this, and I was like, he had not taught children when he wrote the Tractatus. He had absolutely taught children when he wrote this, and it has made this. It's it's made his his method, and and I think it, it's all all the better for it. Like I, I like there is just a way of him explaining himself and moving. It's still it's difficult, and and you know you you have to really. Uh, submit yourself to the way that he's thinking to, to I think to get the the most out of it. But uh, it's not as uh, even just like if you were looking at it in in like a a dead superficial way, you look at pages of philosophical investigations and you look at pages of Tractatus, and what you'll see in philosophical investigations is like these uh, concepts. Or, or propositions, I think would be probably better to put it in his language, mm-hmm. are just much more filled out. It is a it is a, a a broadened out text, whereas the Tractatus is more of this like uh, staccato, you know, punchy skeleton kind of uh, uh, thing that it is. I I think more elliptical. I mean that not in the way he would mean it, but I mean it as like it, it's it uh it 
presents a proposition and then it goes maybe somewhere else and mm-hmm. then maybe it circles back mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't i've seen people do um they're like these digital humanities ex- experiments like people have put like the propositions of the tractatus on like a like a web where you don't read it in the way that he wrote it but you read it where the propositions relate to each other oh. uh, is this like experiment to try to like you know to like knot everything together knot um yeah. you don't have to do that with this text i don't think no. um it you know, it, it, it's uh, and and so anyway, I'll. I'll, I'll well, that's why out. it's much more influential, don't you think? Like, on I, yeah, yeah, century, yeah, yeah. I, right? I do. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, lead in, yeah. Go, go into that. How, like, this is well, more influential. I just think, how and where? Why? Well, I think the like the, the, it's much more. I mean, if there's a look, Tractatus is part of this, but it's still like, isn't it the difference between believing that logic is fundamental? Versus believing that language is fundamental, and I think yeah. those are two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's because it, I think part of you would say, "Well, those—that's just you're saying the same thing when you say those two things." But I don't think so. Like, I think, I think that Gottlob Frege, who was in certain ways Wittgenstein's teacher, he thought la- he thought logic was fundamental, and he and what he couldn't account for were the contradictions that logic got into because mm. of you could say because of language. I mean that's not right. exactly right. It's really because of itself. But 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 mm-hmm. in a certain way like language allows for us to understand how contradictions emerge and also how our 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 way of our experience is structured, right? In a way so logic is I think I think what he comes to see is well logic can be it can have certain kinds of truths, but it, 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 there, there's ways in which what we're doing when we speak can violate that logic and yet still be what he would call true, right? So I think mm-hmm. that that's, so I think, but, but my, the long and the short of it is this is the text of the linguistic turn in philosophy. So I think even, more, I mean, you could say that Tractatus, the Tractatus is part of that, but I think sure, it's still sure. much more invested in logic and 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 whereas the whereas the investigations are much more about language and, and looking at how language works like i think that's the other mm-hmm. thing like he he he's he's less i mean there is there is that that line that we that we focused on last time like what can be shown can't be said mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the tractatus and i think that's it's almost like that's even more true in the philosophical investigations, right? Like that becomes, yeah. it's almost like he took that as his structuring principle and said, what can we show in language and not what can we show logically? And I think that's why he's much more concerned here with the example, right? Like when you yes. said things are fleshed out, that's exactly true, right? Like everything is, you get things with, if he's going to say like, I'll introduce some idea and then I'm going to, I'm going to say like, I think this is, uh, right toward the beginning, he said, "The question, what is a word, really is just is really is you're, what you're asking is what is a piece in chess, right? Like, yeah. In, yeah. like all of a sudden, through that example, it becomes much clearer what he's trying to do. And I think, for me, I always thought the chess example or the chess analogy of this work is really helpful because mm-hmm. he doesn't care. Like when we're playing chess, it doesn't matter what the chess pieces look like but it's mm-hmm. what they do, what they can do that counts for him and what counts for a person playing chess and i think that's 
really true for him. I think that really explains his way of approaching even philosophy, but but certainly language. And I think that's like logic isn't yet and the Tractatus isn't yet to that point, I think. Mm-hmm. You know what? Um, not to not to derail this to a reference uh, outside the text almost immediately, but you know what the the chess sections because it's it's repeated throughout. You know, he does yes. more. It's I, I yeah. always appreciate this when people like plumb the depths of like a, a continually of like one example, right? Yes, just kind of Agreed. like uh, like just showing it in a you know in a different light or you know putting it over here or whatever. It um it reminded me very strongly. Uh, especially at different points of uh, the wire when um when d explains chess to the the kids in the courtyard do you yeah. remember this in the first yeah. season yeah. yeah yeah um and but he cuz they're playing chess like it's checkers and they don't understand they just none of them understand chess they just like these are the pieces so he has to explain he has to explain chess to the uh, kids in the courtyard in the terms of the like the organized drug dealing that they're doing. And in the process of doing that, it's like it has this I just think this amazing effect where for the audience, it like um, it 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 makes the 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 drug dealing itself have this like uh, this logic to it and also to show, and this is like an important uh, this was an abandoned master's thesis of mine. Uh, oh. Wow. It, it is this importance of the game in yeah. a lot of uh, oh a lot this is, this is like a big thing in peak television you can see it like this in Sopranos like early in uh, Sopranos Tony talks about everyone who is in I don't think he says is in the game but he says they're soldiers like when you're in right. the mafia like everyone is a soldier and when you're a soldier in war like anyone can be killed that's just the way that it is um, and so if you keep your ear out for it and a lot of especially peak TV you know, loss was like this as well. There's like some, there's some game, there's some code. It's like, there's, there's no, the, whatever, uh, external mooring that you might have thought in an earlier era to exist in a fictive world or even our own world for like, you know, I don't know, like the, the, the like an all seeing God or whatever, or, or, or in the case of the wire, like government or police who care or things like that, like these things yeah. don't exist. The, the, these, uh, like institutions and structures no longer have this sense making and, and world uh, solidifying qualities to them any longer. So what what is it that matters when this happens? What matters is the game. There's an internal game. There's an interior game. It matters how you play. That's what has to. That's what has to matter. Right. And anyway. Right. No, that's. If, I think isn't that absolutely crucial to understanding Wittgenstein, right? Like I, the I hope so. Game. Yeah, yeah, the language game. Like that's the. And for him, I the, the the wire example is so great, right? Because what he's using to explain chess, it, it, like for the audience, chess is being used to explain <laughs> drug. So it's like yes. it's perfectly. Yeah. Uh, reversed, right? Like yep. the way the analogy works. I think that's mm-hmm. really pretty great. Thank you. All right. I was hoping that it would be it'd be useful. Maybe something we could come back to as we talk yeah. more about the language. Yeah. I game. mean, the other thing is that he for Wittgenstein, it's really like you don't. It's not like to to to. I mean, in a way, though, that isn't that example somewhat misleading in Wittgenstein's terms, right? Because he thinks you can't really explain the rules of of chess to someone because he thinks you learn to play the game 
by watching how others play it. Yeah. Right? Like that's that's mm-hmm. for him is so crucial, right? Like that that language, it's not like we we think, oh, I first I'm gonna be taught the rules of it and then I'm gonna start to speak it. It's that you learn by watching how others are are playing and then you start to play that way too. Well right? this like I think, does this not yeah. does this not go back to my idiosyncratic thing about like teaching children like like at, yeah. a, at a certain at a certain point like uh, you know when you uh at a certain point when you're uh, uh teach when you're teaching anything really at any level i think at any level but i i think it's especially true uh with kids like and that it, you can you can show them like how like how does a toy make sense um but then like I mean, I, I think this would be my explanation for the phenomenon of like you know I, I'm sure this happened to a lot of people or uh, over the holidays where kids were given some like expensive toy. Maybe you were the one doing the giving, and what they were most fascinated with was the box. Yeah, and there's because there's I, I would say my explanation is there's there's no prescription on the box like how to use the box like the um and I I the whole I obviously have a long standing thing with the box is all that we really want it's the limited right, thing right, and that's right. the, and I think children uh you know are they play with the limit is 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 what they're doing so there's that yeah. too but it's it's also like there's something so prescriptive about like like the toy and and like so you so but it doesn't make sense immediately it has it has to be explained you have to see other people do it and then you can start to start to do it. monkey see monkey do Todd. Right. I right. know exactly. I think that line is really that little, what do you call that? Little idiom is really, I think, appropriate for Wittgenstein. And I think that's why like, the idea of this seems to me a, a, a text about use, right? Like, yeah. First, if you want to understand something, this is why even I think, doesn't he say early on, like, don't think about something, but look, watch, pay attention. Yeah, to it, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and so I think, yeah. like, see how it's used and then you'll understand it. And he thinks that's what he's doing in this book is he's just looking at the way that we use words and languages, not, not trying to think, oh, what is what does something mean prior to its use? Because that doesn't make any it's I, mm. I always like to think of when I read this text, I always like to think of a, the notion of a part of speech, right? Like, like, uh, okay. I don't know, let's just take one, uh, like dog. Okay. This is simple. So like you could say like, okay, what part of speech is dog? Well, it, 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 it it's not always the same, right? Like mm. you could use, mm-hmm. you could use dog can even be in a certain sense, an interjection, right? Like dog, mm. like you can, yeah, you sure. know, right. Or like you could say, it could obviously be a noun and a verb. Like there's a dog in the yard or don't dog. He, he dogged, or it can, my point is, Todd, uh, yeah, you, no, I think it's in the third season of the wire. They blow the wire because they misheard one of the guys. I think it might've been method man's character. He kept talking about how he had to kill his dog and they heard it. D a W G is in referring to a oh, person, wow. but really wow. it was D O G. It was his dog that he had to put down. And so they, anyway, so I think, Perfect. Yeah, no, it's really, it's interesting, right? Like, I think that the, but the point is that you can't, and I think this would be Wittgenstein's point, you can't determine the part of speech of a word prior to the way that that word is used. Sure. Right, like even the word, so like, let's just take one that seems like, it seems like this is not true of, right? Like a, an article, right? Like the, like mm-hmm. it seems like, okay, the is just an article. We know, it doesn't matter how, before it's even used. But I think you could say, 
in any sentence, you could say, though, I'm going to use the word the Mm -hmm. in blah, 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 blah. And then you turned it into a noun, right? So I think that there's no, there's, there are no, for him, Mm -hmm. that seems to me a really crucial point that you can't, you can't determine what something is prior to the way that it's, it's used in, in actual speaking. Yeah. I love it. And I love the, uh, the, I love the example because it made me think of the band, the, the. Right. Right. Yeah. The, so the, that's a, right. No, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I didn't even, th- I'm sure that was unconsciously there for me, but I, yeah, it was a great example. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. So there's a thing I want to pick up. There's another little idiosyncratic thing and then okay. we'll, we'll start to, which is, uh, how you, and you kind of reference this is, uh, we talked in the previous episode that there is a consistent concern with visuality, like mm-hmm. the, that he he is a very visual writer. We did this linking uh, to like to to film, uh, especially like silent cinema, and like there's even stuff there's stuff in here too that I was picking up on about um, he he he's talking about the like the universality of of gesture at one point. Yeah. Early on, and that that's like this. There, there is a um, for some for some film critics, and I think there's an argu- there's a, definitely a good argument to be made here. Um, silent cinema was almost utopian because um, you there was not much translation that needed to be done to put a Charlie Chaplin film in another country right. or another right. context. And I mean, well, I think trans- I think a lot of people thought that. I think yeah, a, the, not only that, but like the storytelling. I think a lot of people thought it was more cinematic, and and it oh, wasn't just you know what it what it um that's what Hitchcock calls it. He goes like filmed people talking like that's what when they're talking <laughs> yeah you know like he thought he thought that wasn't great and he thought this is Hitchcock's point. I mean Hitchcock, who obviously was a great sound filmmaker, he thought mm-hmm. that the invention of sound was a, a artistic disaster. But Benjamin thought that, Arnheim mm-hmm. thought that, all these early, I mean, you're right, like all these early film theorists, almost to a person. The exception is, is interesting. The exception is the realists. Like Bazan yeah. and Krakauer, they didn't, yeah. Andre Bazan and Siegfried Krakauer, they didn't, they liked the invention of sound. They liked every invention because they thought it added more realism. But, but, but all the formalist critics thought exactly what you just said. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that it was, and I mean, it was too, and then this is the, like, why did the, why did, why did the formalist film critics, why did they hate the developments in film and not uh, adjust in some way is because they thought it made things uh, too close to yeah. our, our actual lives and what happens in film, in formalist film theory. And, and, and especially like when something is silent, uh, it is like, you don't have to, it's already a distortion of your reality because you know your reality is replete with sound. So it's missing this very fundamental element uh, of your own life. So the the film doesn't have to make this argument that it's in a uh, it's in a it's in a fictional world. You know, it's in a world that's not like your world, and, and that rules can be you know different. You know, so like when Charlie Chaplin, like when he falls down like a manhole or almost does or like you know gets in like all all this like physical comedy like we we can understand that i think in uh, 2024 like yeah. it's like oh it's like kind of an elastic cartoon reality and it's like right. that's was before like the cart- you know cartoons took that from uh from from Chaplin and, and from these right. you know right. from these films and uh 
but it's, you know, there's so many films have to like, even like the, I don't know. I even think even like the Marvel movies and like all these like films today, they have to, they really have to uh, fight with the fact that they just seem like it's a documentation of reality, but there's just other, there's kind of like fantastical stuff happening in it. Um, but the rules of our everyday life should still sort of apply in some way. And I right. think you, if you start to think about film that way, you can start to see what the objection of the formalist film theorists would be because what they believed was that the distortion of reality that you got from film brought you closer to something that you, you couldn't get to if it got closer to documenting reality, which was right. not the I point wonder, of Bazin yeah, and, and Krakauer. I think that's Wittgenstein's point too, right? Like yeah. that, that, Like if you can see... Like what we don't see, like we're in a way we're seduced by what seems to us like reality. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what he's, and I think so. It's in a way, like in a way that we wouldn't be, like if we're seeing Chaplin on the like, like on a tightrope in the circus, or anything, like with a, yeah. <laughs> juggling all this crap. Like we know that he couldn't really do that, mm-hmm. but but because we're invested in the you know we un, like we know that it's a totally fictional world we 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 see that it's the how it's happening that's important not like what's what is what is happening and i think mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. like that that like how it's happening versus what it's happening is in a in a large part what wittgenstein wants to do and 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 i think he wants to cure i mean we've talked about this just between ourselves that there's this therapeutic idea of Wittgenstein, and I think ah, it has yes. a, owes a lot to the investigations. That the point is t- that la- that what philosophy is going to do is going to cure us of our. He even says like philosophy is what we need when everyday language goes on holiday, right? Like mm-hmm. we we get lost about what we we don't we don't. It doesn't offer a corrective, but it like therapeutically brings us back to not be. And this is, I think, the key, and that's what I think ties to the silent cinema example: not being seduced by the image, right? Like mm-hmm. the whole. Isn't that like there's a real sense of how do we how do we get out of the way that the image has seduced us so that we mm-hmm. uh, we look at what we're actually doing and ironically it's when we don't have sound that we're not as seduced this is what you're getting at yeah. that we're not as seduced by the image right like yeah. <laughs> that's a right. great irony of of the history of of cinematic art that that it's it's only in the silent era that we that spectators weren't seduced by the image in the way that they would be subsequently. Yeah. I mean, like that's the, um, I mean, it's such a key part of, you know, Eisenstein's, uh, montage is that like, you know, you you have the, the editing. I tell, I tell students to do this, like to, um, start doing this with a film that you know, well, but just turn the sound off and just look at how it's cut and like the camera angles and like does, the way that it's edited, like, does that tell a story? Like, are you are you seeing, are you are you visually seeing what's actually there, or is it is it the Hitchcock thing? It's just people are being filmed talking, and like something right. that is like well made, like tells you visually. I mean, this is like while it's also like giving you information uh, while talking. Like uh, North by Northwest, probably pretty great example of this is a film. It's it's like it's constantly moving. This is um Guillermo del Toro's point uh, that I like. It's just just like it's a perpetual perpetually moving film. It's, it's, it's very much like a silent film in, in how much it like Cary Grant's body is on the line, like every yeah. like four and a half minutes, um, in a, in a different way. And, uh, it's also the classic example of not ever over explaining something because it's the great, you know, 
there's the moment where the entire film is going to be explained. And then there's a the sound of an airplane propeller. Right? Airpl- so yeah, can, prope- be, yeah, yeah, because if you've been following along, you know it anyway. But it's just Cary yeah. Grant doesn't know it. Yeah. So it's just like pointless for, for you to hear it. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, the you have to work very hard to like to put that into you know simultaneous sound cinema. Whereas you know in uh, the the idea was in silent that since it is not like just it doesn't look the way that a street looks because it's in black and white because you don't hear the sound it's not that you don't hear footfalls like it's all this thing like it's 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 more in how are you what where is this image going to be smashed up against another image and this is you know right. the two the two you know Kuleshov effect and then Eisenstein's montage is like generating political uh specifically like dialectical political uh, point just through editing, just right. just through right. how we are stacking images, and so then this is the word that you keep keep using is like you don't get you don't get seduced into uh, like this is like I think this is one of the great contemporary words is that like um, people get immersed in a film, so yeah. th- that this is anti immersive. Yeah, it's 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 because it's um, to borrow a Sartrean word, it's like pre reflective. That's what. Eisenstein's montage should do like it. You are, you, you are shocked. You're put into a state of dialectical shock. Yeah. I mean, Odessa steps is the classic example yeah. uh, from uh, battleship Potemkin. And yeah. so that you're seeing this political thing unfold, you are not immersed in it. Like you're forgetting that you're a part of the world. Like you, you are in a way that you, couldn't be otherwise are more part of the world. That's the whole, that's the formalist. Right, right. I mean, I, I, yeah. the, the Dust of Steps is a great example. Isn't Strike also, the end of Strike also a yeah. good example? Because it's there's good, yeah. like, if you're, you're immersed in the struggle of the workers, are they going to be all slaughtered? And then all of a sudden Eisenstein cuts to a cow being, <laughs> being <laughs> yes. cut into, right? So you, yeah. like, there's no way you're like, wait a minute, what does that have to do with what's happened? It doesn't have anything to do with it. Although yeah. it has everything to do with it because it's telling you how to think about what's happening. Yes. Uh, but I think you can't, the, the, that's such a good word to choose. Like you can't be immersed at that point, right? Like yeah. you can't, it's like shattering the immersion, but, but in a way, in order to say, just as you're saying, like, that's how one should be yes. involved in the world. Right. Like right. that's, and I think that's what Wittgenstein, like, I think that's what he's trying to do in the philosophical investigations is he's trying to say, I'm going to, I'm going to disrupt your way of thinking about things in order to show you what you're really doing already, right? Like I think mm-hmm. in, in, in investigation 124, this is p- section 124, he says philosophy can't interfere in any, in the actual use of language. And then he says, uh, it leaves everything as it is, right? Like mm-hmm. that's a weird, a lot of people have said Wittgenstein's a quietist. He doesn't, there's no political, <laughs> but isn't he doing what exactly what Simon yes. said? Like you could say yeah. Simon Simmons is leaving everything as it is, but it's showing us how we, how we're at what we're actually doing unbeknownst yeah. to ourselves. I think that's the real, that's what he's trying to, he's trying to get at. I like, I also like that line because like, I, I don't know, like there, there are some other moments where, um, do you have very, very quickly, do you have the, the butter example? Can you pull oh, it up? The quickly? butter example. Yeah. Yeah. Just a second. I'll get All it. All right. I'll, 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 as you find it. So there's, um, there's also been some, some, some talk. This was something that, that Todd and I talked about before the show that like, um, you can read uh, well. Wittgenstein is a small C 
communist. And there are some moments uh, where I think if you were inclined to look at it in a certain way, he maybe does sound Marxist. And I, I think like that line that you read about philosophy, like leaving things as they are, is not too dissimilar from the very famous thesis of Feuerbach, right? That uh, philosophers have uh, only what only explain the world. The point, the point is to change it. To change it. That, isn't yeah. the opposite of that though? I mean, that like isn't isn't Wittgenstein saying philosophy leaves everything as it is, and Marx wants to? S- oh, well, I see what you're saying. No, you see so, what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 He's not well. That's why. That's why he'd be small C communist. Is he's not. He's not. He's not. He's uh, not a Marxist, demonstrably. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. He's not demonstrably arguing for it to do. So, but he's saying that this is what it. What it does. What it does is it is it. It leaves things as they are. It explains. It explains them. I think there's a absolute link between between those two ideas. At least the first part of the sentence. No, I think that's absolutely right. It's absolutely right. And he so he's guilty of being a philosopher in the sense that Marx. Is attacking right? Like yes. I think that yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that I think that I think is tr- is true because he's he's not uh, he's not outlining a project because he's because the project he's out he's not outlining a project in the way that Marx would understand a, or, or a praxis might be a better better word. Um, but what he is doing, and I, I I really I bring this back to having taught the the just like the teaching children is like he's he's trying to he's trying to understand how uh, and I, like he gets into this early about how like it, it's actually. The the very general and common things in the world, like like how we understand and have an apprehension of that, those are the hardest things to try to explain. So, right, right. he thinks that this this step that like I think he would charge, I think he would charge all of philosophy with skipping a step, because and and he's trying to get this like this initial step, like it's um, uh, oh god, who is this? Is this um? Joan really liked this. Joan Kopchak, she really liked this line. I, uh, it might be from Levinas. I don't know about fatigue, where fatigue is the moment, and I have been feeling it a lot recently. So I've been thinking <laughs> about this. It's been on my mind uh, that fatigue is the moment uh, after you wake up, but before your foot hits the floor. Is, is, is that's that's fatigue? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Now I sort of think to relate us to to Wittgenstein. I think Wittgenstein is saying like philosophy. Uh, takes for granted the foot hitting the floor, and it's not. There's this like the interstitial, the moment after waking up and your foot hitting the floor that has not been explained. Yeah, that 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 interstice. Yeah, to, to put it I that t- way. Yeah, totally that, agree. That's what he's totally doing agree. here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that right. Like that. I think. Um, I I think he thinks that we we take it for granted because we think we can explain it through the activity of meaning something, right? Like yeah. That, that, and I think, so this gets to this thing about butter. So this is the very last <laughs> right. of the philosophical investigations. It's 693. So one little thing. So when the first edition in English was published uh, in the 50s, so right after he died, actually, early 50s, mm-hmm. uh, 53, I think, uh, was the, maybe that was the German, and then it was qu- almost immediately translated. Uh, there was a second part of the investigations. Now, in the newest fourth edition that is that is called some different book but so this is the last of yeah. what used to be part one but now is the sort of the end of i know it's complicated this is the end yeah, of okay. the, the end of what is now considered the philosophical investigations here's the last line so nothing is more wrong-headed than to call meaning something a mental activity 
unless, that is, one is setting out to produce confusion. So he doesn't like that. And then he says, similarly, one might speak of an activity of butter when it rises in price, and if no problems are produced by this, it's harmless. So that's the end. And that's, <laughs> yeah. so, so that's a weird, so he hasn't talked about economy at all. Right. And then he says, you could talk about the rise in price of butter as an activity of butter, yeah. but that would, and that's, he thinks that's what is the same thing that's happening when we talk about the mental acts as what causes our things, our, our, our speech, our, our use of language, right? Mm. So, mm-hmm. so it's interesting that uh, he would resort to economy as a way yeah. to end the book and to, to, to also talk about the importance of what we do rather than what we think because that's mm-hmm. not, I mean, obviously uh, butter. So it's a really, it's a, it's a weird, like we're being compared to butter, right? And then what <laughs> yeah. we do is being compared to economic activity. Right. Right. So, so it's a, he, well, it's outside. I think it's, it's an external. I mean, cause it's not an, the, right. The it's not internal. Has, correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. The, yeah, the butter yeah. rising in price has nothing to do with the, the, the act, the butter in front of you. Right. Right. The, the butter dish. didn't do it. Right. The butter didn't do the it. The butter didn't do it, which in the misspelling of the conference for butlers, when they were trying to reclaim their image, Todd, it was a disaster. <laughs> that was really good, man. Thank you. You even had me. I thought it was a true thing that it really <laughs> happened. You know, the, the that's a really good joke. Uh, Thank you. The butler do didn't do it. Like I just a, came up with that. I'm sick. I can't even, I, unbelievable. Sometimes unbelievable. That was great. That was Thank great. You. I thought we were going to go down to like a Judith Butler uh, oh. kind of line of joking, but that's, this is much better. It was, it go. was much better. Yeah. Much better use of the, the word butler. got the spelling in there and it, it, yeah, yeah. that really worked out nicely. Uh Good for the me. Problem is it's for a me. not a repeatable joke so much. No, it's a that is that's true. Well, but that's yeah. kind of the line that I that I that I try to toe, Todd. I know you that's, do. You do. Yeah. That's why you said, and this hurt my feelings. <laughs> you, you said that I, I say funny things and you say yeah. things funny. Yes. Which is I, I, I will always remember that line is perhaps the meanest anyone ever. <laughs> said to me but uh, i think it's a compliment i i know you do and that even makes it more <laughs> that makes it worse cruel right. yeah 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 but uh, uh anyway back to the butter thing like i think it, it it does i think the you can see here why a certain continental tradition would would not like wittgenstein right because sure you read this and it seems like well, where's the agency of the subject like to yeah, get yeah, yeah, like yeah. i think you could like if we're being compared to butter rising in price, well, that mm-hmm. that's there's no subjectivity in that in the butter at all, and I think I, I think he would he would like that. So I think, but but I think there's a whole other and I, this this therapeutic, yes, uh, what you t- called to me, and I know that that's the name of it. This therapeutic reading of Wittgenstein that 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 I think does have a place for the subject and 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 is about getting subjectivity to to, to not be deceived by i mean just to put it in lacanian terms right like for the for the subject not to be deceived by the imaginary right mm-hmm. i think that's in the image and the the mental image i think that's really a a huge part of what he's trying to what he's trying to get at the, that thing you said uh well to to all of us not just to me uh in the last podcast um about 
was it Zizek's reading right of the Tractatus as the imaginary and philosophical investigations yeah, yeah. As, as the as symbolic, the symbolic and, text, and then the, uncertainty as this text of the, the real. Right. Yeah. It was. Uh, I could could not stop thinking about that as I read this. Um, it was just it was in my head from the beginning, and um, and I thought continually like this in Lacanian terms. If that's what anyone out there is more familiar with, um, this it, it's the, what um. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to get totally too too into this um, into this thread. But there is a there is a great degree of overlap. I think, uh, although they they come to different conclusions, and certainly they disagree on the uh, existence and agency of the unconscious. I'll put it that way. But yeah. if you are reading the the stuff that I am attracted to in Lacan from the seminar two three-ish period where he's um, explaining uh, how meaning arises in a series yep. or and and which is retroactively and but how order occurs which through even chance relations th- that's there, there's a and, and this is how in Lacan he t- tries to explain how um, the like the rules of the of, of, of symbolic, Exchange like exists in the first place, which like like how like like how is it um, like how is it Todd? You go to um, a store to buy something. You get to the register, and the person says, "Hey, how you doing?" You say, "Good." You and you both know that's it, right? That's the, that's all that that's going like that. that, right. that this is just to acknowledge somebody as being a person who exists. Like right. how, like, like nobody sat you down. Your your parents didn't sit you down to say, okay, this when you go out in the world, this is going to happen. There's going to be all kinds of superficial but ultimately binding exchanges that you will go through in everyday life, and that's just the glue of living. That's just like how it is. I don't, I don't personally know who who, who came up with it. Nobody knows, but we nobody, just do well, it. Anyway. Nobody. That's because I think Wittgenstein would say nobody came up with it, right? Right, right. And I yeah. and I think and then I think the Lacanian difference would be everyone came up with it, but right. not right. no one consciously, certainly, right. and and right. with no intention. And and like so, the difference, the difference between the two, at least on this point, is that like uh, Lacan tries to get at the. I think he he tries to explain how like a uh, symbolic how the symbolic is a, a plane being built as it's being flown like Boeing is trying to do currently in our own world <laughs> and the that yeah. so and I that is just not a uh, Wittgenstein can't go there that's not yeah I think that's right I think it's a really good point by you that 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 he doesn't he doesn't think about the activity of building the plane to make it fly and because he's like look. It's not built beforehand. He does, he's right. right about that. Yeah, right? yeah, he's, yeah, he's absolutely right about that. And so he's like, so we we can't even talk about how it's built. Mm-hmm. What he doesn't see is, wait a minute, they're in the act in the doing. There's also a building, right? Like he yeah. doesn't, and he just doesn't. Th- he doesn't want to talk about that. And I think that that you're right that that is there's a certain like the the idea of the unconscious is really that idea. Right, like mm-hmm. how a thing is built as it's being, as we're using it, and it, like the example of the, the little inanities of the, 
of the exchange of how are you is a perfect example, right? Because it's not, and I think Wittgenstein would say this too, it's not an inane exchange. It's actually mm-hmm. a saying like, okay, you just, the way you said it, like I'm going to acknowledge you as a real person in this world that has to be acknowledged, right? Yeah, and, right. and that is that, that how they feel is worthy of being discussed, mm-hmm. right? But, but it's not about the actual substance of the question. And, but Wittgenstein can't imagine, like why would that need to arise? He would just say, though you're, you're asking the wrong question. But no, I think that is <laughs> precisely the right question. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think, it, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I want, I want to hear from you. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that I think that that's so, like there's so much that's just incredible, I think, about this. And I, I think we should get to like what the, the, to me, the really where the rubber hits the road here is this, what he, what is known as the private language argument yeah. of yeah. the of the yeah. investigations because I think you know you mentioned that Wittgenstein is a small c communist that seems to me where he is more than anywhere else but but again like the, he doesn't see and I think the critique of the private language is absolutely right but he doesn't see how then the public language comes into like he doesn't see the creative power within the public. Tease that out. How is how is that where he is? Because I obviously agree with this, but tease that for for listener. How is that where he is most uh, small c uh, communist in that section? Oh, in the uh, so this is not a critical comment. So I think that no, no, yeah, no, I know, right, right. I think what he's saying. So, so just this starts in this actually the beginning of the private language argument. I think is I think it's located. People tend to locate it at 256, 256. number 256. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says that earlier, he says things that are that are pushing in this direction. So in two, on 202, section 202, he says, it's not possible to follow a rule privately. I love this idea. Otherwise, thinking one was following a rule would be the same thing as following it. So we mm-hmm. have to have, and to me, this is the key thing. And this is where I think the small C communist comes in. There has to be this external public or uh, th- what we would call a third party Mm-hmm. right to 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 mediate how i even do something within my private being like for, like before i can do something privately it has to be there has to be something established publicly and i can't even imagine that private activity if there wasn't this public uh, uh guide to register it against Right. So, mm-hmm. and I think the, 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 why I think that small C communist is that it's saying, look, your little liberal individual self is ultimately dependent upon this larger collective yeah. that you didn't, you didn't, you know, that what is, I mean, she's a liberal, but what does Elizabeth Warren always say? Like, you didn't build it, right? You didn't build right. the roads that led to your factory. I mean, that's what Wittgenstein's saying, right? Like, not, but not on the level of, of factories, he's saying, he said, or roads, he's saying, like, you didn't, all these words that you're using to make your little points, you didn't yeah. build those. Like, yeah, right? like yeah, yeah. you yeah. got those from the collective and are yeah. from the public. I think mean, I like that idea that he doesn't use, he, he, it's a, it's a critique of private language. He doesn't talk about the public. You know, Kant very right. famously talks about the public use of reason. And I think, in a way, that's what Wittgenstein is also embracing. But through a critique of – it's really a critique of – in some way, a crit, the critique of the private language is a critique of private property, right? Like, yeah. Okay. Or in yeah, the sense like that – right? In the sense that my – not that you couldn't have it, but that in order for me to have my little private property, 
I ha- there has to be, first of all, this public establishment of whatever it is that is property, right? Like so, and I think that that's the same thing he's getting at yeah. on the level Todd, of language. Isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's really interesting because it, to me, and, and he's not explicit about this, so you can understand the charge that he's not political, you know, it, it, like, like you said, the charge of quietism. Uh, but in a way, you, you, he's, he is trying to keep this in the, uh, you know, the idea of language being fundamental. So that, that's, that is his, his project. But there is, it, I hadn't thought about this before, but it's the political implication of thinking that you could have a, a set that doesn't, like it, the, okay, a set of all sets that doesn't include itself. Like it, it's about thinking like you can extract a set from that, and that's like private property. Like that, like you, like that's if if you push that idea politically, this is what I'm, I'm trying to say. Is like yeah, isn't isn't that like um, doesn't that undermine the libertarian ethos? Like totally. you can't, yeah, and and I. <laughs> like you, like this again, the, and that's the whole thing. The Elizabeth Warren, you didn't build a whatever. Like you, you know, um, uh, and like you know, here uh, where I'm at currently in New Hampshire, like you know, the they don't do garbage pickup. Everybody has to do it, you know, pri- privately. Like them, themselves, they have to go to the transfer station to do it. There's not the services. Although when it snows suddenly, because that's more of an inconvenience, uh, then there are plows that go on the road. Um, Famously in New Hampshire, there's a book written about this. It calls a libertarian walks into a bear, I believe is the name of it. And where the, there were these libertarians that tried to, I think I mentioned this before. They tried to found a like a, a libertarian town in New Hampshire. Yeah. Do you, have I? Do you remember me talking? No, about you this haven't stuff? told me. No. no. Oh, okay. Um, well, they couldn't figure out who was responsible for picking up trash, and so all this trash piled up in the wherever it was. Here and, the bears, and the, the bears came and they had to leave. It got overrun by bears. Wow. Um, like that's actually like that's a, like a real world experiment of, of this sort of thing because what these people were trying to do was they were trying to um, enjoy uh, if you the thinking about the world as sets in the terms. Of, okay, like I'm obviously monkeying with this to make yeah. the political point because it needs it to be brought into that territory. But it's like you can't you cannot be this set that is not part of the rest of the world's sets. So right. to think that you are, you get run over by bears. That's what that's what happens. Like you, yeah, can you, I? You, yeah, I think yeah, that's absolutely right. Absolutely right. I'm going to tell a bear joke that you know, but I I, <laughs> I, I just want to tell it because I would okay. approve that the, the your thesis about me just telling funny things <laughs> and you telling things funny. Uh, so these two guys are on a path and they're in the woods and they they see a bear about a hundred yards. Okay. Away from them, and they're like, "Oh, uh, the one guy." They're like afraid, you know. And the one guy kneels down, and he takes off his backpack, and he puts changes his his walking boots into into running shoes. And the other guy looks at him. He's like, "You fool! You're never going to be able to outrun a bear." And the guy goes, "I don't have to outrun the bear." Right, so yeah. <laughs> I think that that is actually that's a nice joke because it really is about your New Hampshire example, right? Like yeah. they, like that's the attitude of those people. Like I don't, but the, in, in the end, they couldn't. Like no. the bear was too much. Like it could catch both of them. Yeah, and I it think could catch that every, that's could the, get, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The right if you if you take the joke, the bear caught both of them. It's like the bear, the bear the caught both. Caught, right, right. The, the joke was the on whole. the guy that put on his running shoes. Right, like right, right, right. So yeah. like, yeah. um, 
and I think I think um I again I, I mentioned her earlier like um uh Joan um she likes to say psychoanalysis is not a private language, and I I think that um I mean so crucial it's yeah. so crucial and th- I I think that like again this like the perhaps unlikely. Uh, intersection, but like I mean, even in this thing, and, and Todd mentioned this too. This uh, this spoke of reading uh, Wittgenstein that's been inspired by um, Cavell and uh, oh, um, oh, who did I say? Uh, Crary. Um, I'm forgetting her first name. Um, well, anyway, the the the, the therapeutic uh, Wittgenstein. Um, you, you know, you can see this it, again. It, it's not. It, it's it, it's not. Um, it's not right to make him like the like the 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 friend of uh, of psychoanalysis on this because he he wouldn't be he had opportunity like there's multiple opportunities where he could have uh, said that the unconscious as, or as an idea right and not only that he some, knew Freud right and he knew oh Freud. He knew, okay all right very good as um, a, I don't know if, I don't think they they never met but he knew him he read Freud for sure he read Freud for he sure. can, it, and it's very clear that can't be a part of this system here because there's a lot another word that comes up a lot is intention and like the the idea of the of the unconscious you just you can't you can't have intention uh in in any way if you have unconscious and so right. for Wittgenstein it's not a major I don't think it's a major no uh load-bearing thing in his theory but just to like even mention in, intention in a uh in a non Psychoanalytic or like or or, or uh, a, a pre-Freudian way, like you just like you you can't have it. Right. So, but anyway, I say all but, that to say now say go. say the thing because I think no, this say is the thing. Really, but yeah. <laughs> you can you can see especially if you go along the you know the therapeutic Wittgenstein thread, and then this the idea the that I, I think is in Lacan. That's why Joan says it about psychoanalysis not being a private language, meaning yeah. it, it is a, a response to what. Uh, I think is is a direct response to what um, Wittgenstein is laying out here. So it's more on the psychoanalytic side being copacetic with Wittgenstein I, than, than the I think it's absolutely right. And don't you think it's important that the the patient doesn't look at the analyst, right? Like that. Yeah. Like the, so. That's so it's like say, you're speaking. Say why. I like. I like it. Well, it's like you're speaking out to the to a in a public way. It's yes. not this private face to face dialogue, right? Like which, I think which is that's. What, which is what Lacan in that the thing I was referencing the beyond intersubjectivity thing in, in seminar two that's what he's trying to say is that like the analyst isn't just reading the analyzant like that's not how it works right. it's not the analyst reading right. the the patient like you're reading someone in a game of odd and evens like or or, or you're reading someone's face in poker that's not how it works it's it's not how it works it's right. exactly this it's exactly this thing w- w- almost like a, a response to the possible charge from Wittgenstein that like what psychoanalysis does is it, is it makes, I mean, this has been, this is a common charge is that like, it just, it, it's like it, it, it hides the, it hides its own, the answers to its own questions. And then like acts like it's done something when it's found it. Right. And, yeah. and I think that is one of the things that Lacan was very concerned with. Yeah. Uh, with, yeah. And, and, and you can, you can see that like, the like some very important work being laid by Wittgenstein to like show why that would be a problem if you could charge psychoanalysis with it that it's just it's just it's just a circle you know you have these concepts someone goes to analysis oh what a surprise you went to go see the person who's going to find the things that are in 
psychoanalysis itself. Like what an amazing coincidence that is. Like that can't be the way that it works because if it is, then it, then like we are, you know, we're just finding the things that we know how to find. It has to be this, I mean, and you know, Lacan talks about this a lot. Like something has to be created that is like, it's, it's out, it's, uh, it's outside of the, it's outside of the two people that are in the, the thing and that this yeah, is, is is also what leads to some animus in the situation because the analyst doesn't have all the answers right they they, right. they they don't they can't but they still have to be the you know the interlocutor or the you know the uh the the point of public reference maybe if we're going to continue with this this thing like like that right. that's what they have to be so yeah 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 i mean it's interesting because so um lacan shifts right like so so in the early years of the seminars and before he thinks of the analyst as the big as this representative of the big other right yeah. but then when he invents objet a the the analyst plays the that they're taking up this position of objet a relative to the relative to the the patient right so i think mm-hmm. that that's a there's something like it's almost like it's and i think this goes along with what you're saying about seminar two and three right like that wittgenstein belongs more to this mm-hmm. earlier version of yes. Lacan less to the less to the later version although I think there's some still even some compatibility because I think even as Lacan goes on he's still critical of the way we're deceived by the imaginary right and I think that that's that and and and, and deceived by the it's interesting how doesn't Wittgenstein allow us to bring together and I think this is you mentioned the small c communist like I think this is the really the the great political insight doesn't he allow us to bring together imaginary and private mm, right nice. in a way that Lacan yeah, I don't think does and I don't know that anybody even those following Lacan do except maybe Joan Kopchak as you were saying like I think yeah. she like that whole notion that the anal- analytic session is itself a public space yes which you, you wouldn't yes. think right like you go into the you know you're you wouldn't say those things on the your, your you know free association you wouldn't do if you did it in the middle of the street people yeah. would think you were a psychotic yeah. right but 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 in a that way that would be no. private. That that's the argument. Is doing that would be private. That is the argument. Right. Yeah. Right. That is the argument. Right. Yeah. Because you wouldn't be fo- and I think this is Wittgenstein. You wouldn't be following the rules of the language game yes. on the public street. Right? right? Like that's the that comes back to the the hi hi how are you thing, right? Like you yeah. like you you the, the the like part of what this what Lacan calls a symbolic what Wittgenstein calls the language game like the language game it has certain rules that you if you're you know the person is playing because they are following those rules this is why he says it makes no sense to have a rule that you only you obey right yeah. like that one, like yeah. how because because his point is you wouldn't know when someone didn't you wouldn't know when you didn't obey it and i think that that's the so it is it's, it's interesting how the idea of following rules and also being able to be wrong Mm. Like that is really important to his thinking about the nature of the public versus the private, right? Like in private, you can never, you, his point is you can't be wrong. Yeah. Right. Like this, and it's a, such an amazing insight, right? Like that's how do we know the pri- private language can't exist? Well, because you can't tell someone if they're obeying, if they're following the rule correctly, you wouldn't even know that wouldn't make any sense to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that that's such a, ultimately political insight on his part because I, I think so many I think it's just so tempting to believe in uh, the pri- our private universe as primary 
Mm-hmm. And 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 yeah, but but I think he's he's shattering that really. It's interesting too because I think in a way this um like he he does something he invites something that that does uh that do, that that undermine. I mean, we talked about this in the last one that undermines a little bit about like what he's saying on one hand and the other because it that's the best argument like the idea that you you can't do. Uh, you, you can't be wrong in, in private is is a, a way of saying that the error can only be public, right? So there you can make no errors in private. Um, if you do something like if uh, if Jeff Bezos does something on his computer to make the lives of the workers that he has more horrible, he's not doing that privately. You understand, right? Because right. that's right. obviously right. reaching out into the public. So. But on the other hand, like what he's trying to uh, to root out is is to uh, I, I think in in some of the language games he's trying to root out the error. Um, oh, that's at, interesting. Right. You know, there we like go. as there we as go. being so that's as being so yeah. primary. Like yeah. so on so on the one hand, we have to eliminate the error. Uh, like it, like in a uh, you phrase it this way to me, right? In a in a supra linguistic sense. Right. right, like, like, uh, uh, and so, why do we then have errors elsewhere? And I think he's not like, like Lacan. I think Lacan and psychoanalysis is like this is like one way. If you wanted like a one sentence description, is like the like the error is uh, is primary. Like the error, yeah. like there is yeah. no subjectivity without without error. This is why, like the um. You know, I always think about this with uh, with with AI and like with uh, like actually Hillary made this point. That's really great. Like the AI voice, like when it reads something, is perfect. Like there's no there's no mistake. Right. Right. And like the uh, which which isn't to say like you know to err is to human. I'm not just like sort of making that kind of like banal point, but like there is something in the like there is something in the error that. Uh, is like that I don't know that like I guess from the position of, of psychoanalysis like like is is subjectivity like is language like is like is the the the, the generation or the, the creativity of the new it's like it's in the error and I think that Wittgenstein has that in one place and then he doesn't have it in the other. Uh, it's such a say. great point. It's such a great point because so the very and he has it in the fame, public just to be clear he has it he in has the it. public thing right exactly yeah. yeah. So the famous, probably the most famous of the propositions, 309, says, what is your aim in philosophy? To show the fly the way out of the fly bottle. Mm, but yeah. what you're saying is, sorry, like being in the fly bottle is what allows you to see all these things about the way language functions, right? Like, mm-hmm. like it's yeah. all these air, like you, you, like just, I think that he doesn't see, he, you're right, he does see it in one area. The mm-hmm. fecundity of the error, right? Like he doesn't like that, but he doesn't in this other way, like like the way that wait, this way of misseeing actually allows us to get is what generates all of his own insights mm-hmm. into language. I mean, the question is like, isn't this always a question to pose to a thinker? Like, can your system include you and yeah. your articulation of it? Yeah. And I think that that's a problem for him right like that's mm-hmm. a because he needs if if everyone followed 
Wittgenstein's own way of thinking, then he wouldn't be possible, right? And he, he likes that, actually. Yeah. He likes that, right? Like he wants, to, he wants to cleanse our activity of this error, and so he wouldn't be possible, right? Because philosophy only, it only corrects, right? It doesn't advance anything that is, is new, right? Philosophy only states what everyone already agrees right. to. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. That I, so I think that that's, uh, yeah. I think. But I think God. It's such a great point that he he really doesn't see how uh, the mistake is. There's something to it, except in this p- public private area right. where he does. Right. That. Right. Yeah, yeah. No. It's 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 isn't it funny. Like uh, like it's. Um, I mean, it makes sense. I don't know. It's you know you can't can't always. Yeah, you can't. Whatever. Everyone has their blind spots. Has right? their blind like spot. That. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. he didn't publish it. Maybe if he ran it, ran it through, he'd have, he'd have spotted it. Um, well, it's interesting. Like I think that the Freud connection is kind of crucial, right? Like if he could have, like he liked Freud, but he never tried to integrate Freud into his philosophical thinking. Mm. So maybe he so that would have been that would have be. that would have I think that would have got him to the place that you you suggest. Right. Right. Which I mean, like like this would be the. Uh, the Freudian point is like I've said this about mis- mishearing. I mean, long, long going all the way back is that there is no hearing except mishearing. You right. know, that's that that's the Freudian point. There's no seeing except misseeing. Um, and I I I think in the uh, like in this private language, in this like public private thing, and in, in on the like on this hinge of the error, right? There's no error in private, but the like. To like to air is to public might be the way to you know to put it. Um, and, that's how he would put it. That's how he would put it. Yeah, he exactly. Put it. Right, right. And and so that's think, and hundred percent correct on that. Right. Yeah. 100%. Agreed. Right. And yeah. and I think that might that might be the that might be the uh, the way the you know the uh, like the 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 piece of candy that leads to the to the yeah. bear uh, yeah. of Freud um, might might have, might have I, been there. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's just so fascinating that he. I mean, I think he. I think it's ultimately a resistance to the what you're to the primacy of error, right? And so, yeah. don't you think it's he's he he like makes this linguistic turn, but he's still kind of there's some hold that logic has on him that he yeah. can't he can't give up even in this in this work, except maybe an uncertainty. Like I think I was just gonna say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great book, and maybe someday later we should we should talk about it in an episode, but I think that that's, that really is like, that's in this, in the investigations, I think that is the barrier he comes up against. And I think that's what, that's why this text can be, uh, I think it, it's not, you know, isn't it, isn't this the difference between just to translate into yet another, uh, (laughs) terms, which is probably not very helpful, but isn't it the difference between Kant and Hegel really like that, that, that Kant sees the way in which to understand the limitations of our understanding, we have to realize what we can make, how we can make an, how our a certain error is possible, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's important for Kant. But then he can never see the way in which those errors are actually themselves positive forms of knowing, and that's yeah. the, that seems to me the lesson of dialectics is that the way that your thought goes astray is itself a way of knowing something. I mean, I think Lacan's idea is that 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 truth is when knowledge 
commits when knowledge runs into contradictions, that's when truth emerges. I mean, that's probably Hegel's yeah. idea too. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's I like it's it's a it's a it's a good formulation from uh from Jack Jack Lacken. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so do we before we um. Well, I, I think it was inappropriate uh, bringing in uh, the the difference between Kant and Hegel on this because um, maybe in the next episode, maybe after, we're gonna um, get into embark like, on a little Kantian tour, right? A little Kantian tour, yeah, three hour mm-hmm. tour. The um, yeah. the starting with we're gonna with the critique critique of pure reason, uh, which will probably be done over multiple episodes. I think we'll probably do take little breaks, so it's yeah. not gonna last as long as when we did. Um, you know, it took Hegel. took us years to finish um, the phenomenology. <laughs> the phenomenology. So that's not how we're going to do this, but we're going to break it off into. As a result of not doing it, we're going to break it off into bigger chunks, which means it won't be as um, thorough. I, I, I guess, like like I think related right. to each each section. Yeah. So, but that's how we're going to do it um, because uh, I think there. Well, I'll 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 leave why why we're doing this for for that episode. But I I just think that there is a. Um, and part of why we've been doing this uh, this Wittgenstein uh, detour, perhaps, is that I think there's a lot in um, making Kant more of a central figure, even in disagreement, if that's where you're going to go, um, than I think is currently being got at by mm-hmm. all, all of us uh, in in the on the. Uh, on the psychoanalytic Hegelian uh, side of things, so yeah. uh, just as to put that in a in a very plain way now, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit more um, in the future episodes. Uh, but Todd, what's the uh, what's the lesson? Oh, Ryan, I don't know. Is the lesson? To, <laughs> that's a good question. I don't. I did, you kind of sprung that on me. I Sorry, I didn't think we're. <laughs> Concluding, but uh, yeah, I think the lesson. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, God, no, well, no, I don't know. Do you, do you have something? I, I guess the lesson is to watch a Chaplin film, but but the Ooh. but the which one? I guess I guess the to, the one that most does what we are talking about is Chaplin's The Circus, which I think is one that people don't see. So mm. I think it's worth it's worth watching. And I say this as a a Keaton over Chaplin kind of kind of guy. Oh but, yeah, uh, yeah, team. Yeah, Todd's a team Buster yeah. uh, shirt. Uh, well worn, I, be- I believe. Uh, but circus is pretty good, and it it has. This is what Chaplin's really great about this. I think that that uh, circus ends with one of the most, uh, I guess I would call it like the most devastating endings I've ever seen. In, wow! In in the history of cinema, like it, it like City Lights is pretty devastating. Yeah, I was but say there's more a kind of Lights. there's a kind of openness to City Lights. I think. But circus, should I give it away? I guess I'm going to go give ahead. It away. Do it. Uh, so circus ends, and I think this is there. There's a kind of Wittgensteinian. I mean, for all the reasons we said, this link to silent cinema, etc. Uh, but I also think that 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 the philosophical investigations, as we've all just been saying, is about the primacy of the public, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the circus is a is it is a exploration of the cost of that primacy for a subject who's who's isolated from it right like that and that's mm-hmm. chaplin in the film so everything kind of is like 
basically everything he's invested in in the film is lost to him at the end, although he is kind of heroic at the end. So it's, it's a weird kind of uh, trajectory, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just one of the more devastating endings I've ever seen. So mm. that would be a, that would be my, that's my chaplain. I don't know. Is that, that's probably not his best film, right? Like you think City Lights uh, or Great yeah. Dictator probably has to be. Yeah. City, best City Lights always has, has me. That's, that's, yeah, that's the, yeah. that's the, that's the one, that's the one for me. Yeah. Uh, my ride or die Chaplin film. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're all good. Like the kid is pretty good as a, yeah. the kid has an exploration of like what, how capitalism functions. Like first it breaks the windows of our place and then it, it offers to sell us new ones. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's right, pretty right, right. good. Uh, yeah. pretty good explanation of capital. But, uh, the kid also is what's great about it is it, it it's one of the great films of the, of, of, of leftist, completely leftist, punching down comedy. Oh, right? very I mean, City nice. Lights kind of is too. Yeah. yeah right? Like, yeah. I mean, all my, maybe every Chaplin film is, right? Because he's making fun of a homeless, impoverished guy mm. right? himself. But himself. He wasn't homeless yeah. and impoverished. So, no. Uh, do you have a final, because I, because I sprung the, uh, as I sprung the end on you. Do you have a final point you want to make about Wittgenstein through no, Chaplin? No, I'm, I'm fine with ending on that. I mean, I think that, I just think his, his um, what I like about him is his, is he so, the, the political dimension, I think, just, I, I don't think he recognized it or he didn't mm-hmm. think he was doing it. And I think that makes it even more powerful to me. And I think nice. that the way that, those people fall to take up the name Wittgenstein as their master signifier. I don't think they, it's very rare. I think that somebody has a sense of his, his, this political dimension lying in his thought that, that implicit right in his thought that really, I think it has something to really to contribute to a leftist emancipatory political project that I think has not been adequately uh, thought through as far awesome. as I know. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, no. That, All right. All right. That's Over and great. out, bud. Over and out, Todd. 